this morning, we're going to talk about the rocks crying out. And <clears throat> I'd like to uh, open with uh, Luke 19, 39 through 42. Uh, I'm going to read in the New American Standard Bible. I like that version uh, because uh, it, was, it was that version of Scripture I was saved uh, when I was saved, I was given. And it's, as I've said before, it's, it has the, the closest rendering to the original language that's uh, extant today, that's around. And uh, the, the language in the Old Testament, it's a little wooden because it goes word for word. And so, sometime we'll, we'll talk about scriptural equivalency and what all that means. But uh, usually I'm using the, the New Living Translation because it's, it's uh, kind of a, it, it flows more. Um, I like it because I, I see more of my personality in it than uh, some of these others. But uh, Luke writes, <clears throat> Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, these people become silent. The stones, you know, the very rocks under your feet will cry out. When he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, if you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. See, not... Not everybody uh, has the, uh, had the excitement uh, for Jesus coming into the, into the city. And you remember the Pharisees, I mean, they, they, they looked for any and every reason to uh, blast Jesus. And so they felt that it was disrespectful that these, these people were cheering Jesus. And they were upset, too, because this was, Jesus was the man that they wanted, to, they wanted to get rid of, and yet the crowd, the mob, is saying, <clears throat> this is our guy. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And even collectively, they knew they were powerless to stop this enthusiasm. Uh, it's fitting that in this final mention in Luke of the Pharisees, they showed the same hostility toward Jesus that they had shown throughout his ministry. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. Want a hit? I'm going to spit in it. That's all right. Now, Jesus, Jesus' remark really exasperated the Pharisees. <coughs> and It marks a dramatic turning point even uh, to to this event. The the scene moves, though, from joy to horror. You look from Monday to Friday, that that they call it the Holy Week, but you look at that, and you look at the trial, and then you look at the crucifixion. It moves from joy to horror. The crowd speaks of peace, and Jesus started speaking about destruction. They pronounce him on him glory, and he pronounces on them 
doom. And, and the statement he says, I tell you. He says, I tell you. It, it emphasizes the serious nature of what Jesus was about to say to the Pharisees. And, and he says, if these, if these become silent, the stones, if they become silent, should be understood not as something that may possibly happen, but something that very will, be, will happen if the people remain quiet. After the events on Monday, Jesus would receive no more accolades from the crowd. They, the next time the crowd would be heard from is on Friday, and they'd start screaming, crucify him. Luke 23, 20 through 21. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again, but they kept on calling out, saying, crucify him, crucify him. And though many Jews have come to salvation, the nation Israel still rejects Jesus Christ. Jesus was, in effect, saying if the people become silent, and they will at that point, the rocks under our feet, the rocks under your feet, are going to cry out. And cry out uh, is a very, very powerful word. Uh, it's, it's in the future tense, in the verb, verb form, crazo. You may think, crazy. But the word actually means to scream. So it isn't that the rocks will just <laughs> cry out. The rocks will literally scream because the crowd is keeping silent with respect to the to adoration of the Savior. The rocks scream out. Anyone watch the Super Bowl this year? Anybody? Raise your hand. Yeah. Uh, only Super Bowl I remember is the 1985 Super Bowl. That's the only one that counted in my estimation. But uh, I digress. These, the, 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 the crowd was deafening to the point that the quarterback couldn't hear, they, they couldn't hear the, the, uh, play, the signals that the quarterback was calling. And, and the crowd, though, was cheering for their team. The cries that are going to be heard from the rocks are going to express the judgment of God on Israel. And it's going to be louder than any Super Bowl event that you've ever heard. This account, uh, as, the, as the rocks are screaming out, is affirmation of Israel's wickedness. You know, all this is happening on, on Palm Sunday, the day that of, of, it should be of rejoicing, where the people come in and, and, and they're, the, Jesus is riding on the colt and they've laid down their garments and palm fronds and they're crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And yet, when Jesus approached Jerusalem, he had a sense of deep sorrow. He saw the city and he wept over it. And this is the strongest term in the Greek language for crying or weeping. It denotes Jesus' agonizing sob and agonized sobbing over the superficiality, the hypocrisy, the shallowness, the rejection of who God is, of who Jesus was. He was the Messiah, and they, they rejected him. And he talks about the inevitable divine wrath 
that would follow. I love the old 50s and 60s music. This new car I got, it's right out there, God gave it to me. It parks itself. Oh, it did. Oh, I haven't tried it yet because I fear I'm going to hit something. But uh, uh, it's got that, that uh, uh, what's that, that ra- uh, Siri, Siri, Siri? Serious, serious radio. Serious, I, I think that's it. What is it? Cirrus? Cyrus. Okay, Cyrus. Like Miley, right? Anyway, there's a, there's a button I can push for 50s and 60s music. I love 50s and 60s music. You know, I, that's, that's when I grew up. The, the music today... It, it, it's, it's not, I'm sorry, it's not the same. Call me a fuddy-duddy, but, uh, but the, the 50s and 60s music has stood the t- test of time. And so I was sitting out in, out in the lot last week, and I was sending a, a verse of scripture to one of the grandkids, one of my, my granddaughter, and a song came on that brought back a flashback, and it wasn't drug-induced, <laughs> brought a flashback uh, to me of a time in my life, this way before I was saved, a very dark time, a very sinful part of my life. And Satan used that song to pound on me. Hey, what are you doing listening to that trash? Do you remember? Oh, I started remembering. And, and uh, uh, then things got really dark and I shut off the, I shut off the, uh, the radio and, and I couldn't remember where I was at in sending that portion of scripture to, to uh, my granddaughter. And so, I, you know, I, you, know you, you got to confess that. You got to fess it up. For, I had to. Maybe, maybe it doesn't affect you like that. But boy, it just, and usually it doesn't. Usually it's just, it's, it's you know, fun old Beach Boys tunes. But boy, this... This really grabbed me, and, and, and so I had a come-to-Jesus moment there. And my point here, friends, is that I can become so insulated to sin in my past life and denial that I ignore the prompting of the Holy Spirit in my life. Do you weep because of your sin? Do you show remorse because of your sin? Do you, do you, are, you, are you brought to your knees because of a separated relationship with Jesus Christ. I was. And I needed to start listening more to what the Holy Spirit was trying to teach me and stop listening so much to the past that was coming out of those, those speakers. The thing that makes the, 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 the peace that Jesus is talking about here wasn't political peace with his enemies it, or social peace in Israel, but it was peace with God. And, and we need to have that. We, we must to have that, that solace, that peace in our life. We've got to have peace with God. And, and the thing that makes for peace, as I see it, is repentance. Faith in Jesus Christ. Believing the message of salvation that he had preached throughout his ministry. I take those things into account, and I'm going to have peace in my life. When I start talking to other people about these things about Jesus, about their need for salvation, 
I have peace in my life. And I think that you do too. The day refers not to that Monday, but to the entire time of Jesus' presence among them. For three years, solidly, Jesus spent with 12, <laughs> 12 guys, count them, and, and the, the, uh, the people, the, the, the crowds that he would come in contact with, remember the, the, the accounts of, of who Jesus ministered to. I mean, it was incredible the, the times that, I mean, he was preaching in the house and, and, and these, these guys cut a hole in the guy's roof to lower the friend down. I never ever heard, did they ever patch the roof? Do you think they did? They didn't. Okay, we've got to, they didn't. He talked to this woman at the well who'd been married five times and the guy that, he was, that she was living with at that time wasn't even her husband changed life. He made the blind see. He made the lame walk. He, he, got, he got the people who were deaf. They didn't have miracle ear back then. They had Jesus Christ and the deaf could hear. And then he says, the day will come upon you. And, and this is a, an ex Old Testament expression of coming judgment when in AD, 70 A.D., the Roman military came in and crushed the Jewish revolt uh, throughout Jerusalem. Israel's enemies, the Romans, would throw up a barricade against Jerusalem. They would surround the city. They would hem it in on every side. They would level it to the ground along with its inhabitants. They would not leave one stone upon the other. And this was speaking of the temple. This is a great story. Why the temple? It represented the Jewish rebellion. In the temple, on the walls, they had covered some of it with gold and silver. Well, it was pretty tough melting down the gold and silver with the walls still up. They tore the walls down and they melted the gold out of the stones. And not one stone was left on top of each other. It was decimated. The cool thing about it is that Jesus says, you know, tear it down. Three days, it's going to come back. It'll rise again. And it did. Easter Sunday. Amen. You say the temple didn't rise, the bricks didn't come out of the ground. No, Jesus did, who fulfilled all of that Old Testament law. And the stones, if it weren't for the people shouting Hosanna, would have cried out. Well, let me suggest some ways, coming from our text today, that if we don't want the stones crying out for us, you know, how do you keep the rocks quiet? I had, uh, when I was in the service, um, we had a, uh, we had a section, section sergeant that was uh, just, a, just a, oh, he was a pain. I mean... He, he argued about everything. If the, you know, he would even argue with you about the direc uh, which, which direction the sun rose. Just to be argued. He was, he, was, he was an unhappy guy. His wife didn't like him. The dog didn't like him. We didn't care much for him. Later on, uh, uh, I got in touch with, with Ray and we had a good time. He's, he's dead now. Uh, but, but uh, you know, it was, it was, it was this, this guy caused so much aggravation for us. We had one of the fellows, every day, he'd take a rock 
and put it on Ray's desk right before he left at the end of the day. So in the morning, this rock would be there. He did this for a month. Put a rock on the guy. It was driving him nuts. Who did this? Well, you know, we're in the army. We lied. We didn't know. But I took it a step further. I took one of the rocks and I put it in a hubcap of his car. And he took off and he thought the whole back end was coming out. Rattle, 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 rattle. So he came out and he looks at it and gets back in. Rattle, rattle, rattle. Opens the door, looks and listens. Rattle, rattle, rattle. And he took off the hubcap, threw the rock at us. We were playing volleyball. Threw the rock and the hubcap at us. And left. That rock was crying out for us. <laughs> uh, it, it was... It, it, this, Jesus is saying that there's going to be a whole lot of noise here. And, and in Luke suggests here, if we don't want him to cry out, how are we going to do it? I, there's, there's several ways. And the first is we have to acknowledge Jesus' authority. All this other was preamble. This now is the, the meat of the message, okay? If the stones are to keep quiet, we have to acknowledge the position of Jesus Christ. The disciples recognized the authority of Christ. They obeyed his command. And the first part of this message, Jesus told the disciples to go into town and find a colt that never had, been, had never been ridden. It's prepared. Go get it. They'll let you. And they did. And if someone asked them what they were doing, they were saying the master needs it. And, and some of you might have found that to be a very strange request. But the disciples, Jesus never let them down. And so the disciples went and found this, this little donkey tied up at the hitching rail and took it. And they, hey, what are you doing with my donkey? Well, the master needs it. Okay, fine, go. They did as Jesus said. And in the book of Mark, they said they found everything as Jesus had told them. If we would keep the stones quiet, we have to acknowledge the position of Jesus Christ as Lord and master of all. Even that little donkey that's tied up to the rail. We have to recognize that God wants our complete and total obedience. It's not enough to praise Him with sound of our voices. We have to obey His word. As the old hymn says, we're to trust and obey, and the words of that hymn are as true today as they were when they were written, that, that how much trouble do people experience by not obeying the commands of Jesus Christ? Some of the things in the Bible are hard to understand, especially in light of contemporary situations. You know, well, John, Jesus never addressed this, and Jesus never addressed that, and what about this, and what about that? Well, let's set that aside for just a minute and look at the things that have stood the test of time. Ten Commandments. How about honoring our parents? Does that still work? How about putting God first? How about lying? How about being jealous over what our neighbors have? Their stuff and their wife. How about the greatest commandment of all, which, which is to love God with all our hearts, minds, and our neighbors as ourselves? You got neighbors that are kind of a pain in the neck? We've got to love them. If we could keep the stones quiet, we have to acknowledge the position of Christ and obey it with our hearts, minds, and souls. But we, the other, another thing, the second thing is, why did Jesus have to die? To keep the stones quiet, we have to accept his purpose. And his purpose was, for three years, he preached and taught, performed these outrageous miracles to prepare the way 
for his ultimate death because if there was no death, there could be no life. And the people who welcomed Christ that first day on Palm Sunday, they, they had all kinds of agendas. They wanted, to keep, they wanted Jesus to, to jump through their hoops. They wanted a king and they wanted a political ruler. They wanted a despot that would take care of business and relieve them from the pressure of Rome. And even two of the disciples wanted to seek places of honor for themselves at his right hand when they went to heaven. I'm not sure if the disciples understood the nature of the kingdom that Jesus was establishing, but he said that his kingdom was not of this world. <laughs> Otherworldly. That's, no, it's not aliens. That's, that, is, that is straight from the throne of God, his kingdom. We have to accept the purpose of Christ. We can't dictate to Jesus what our desires are his purpose and will are going to prevail. So, are we letting God create us in His image, or are we trying to create God in our image? Are we, are we Lord, or is Christ Lord? Where is He in your life? All sin is putting our wills and desires above God's, and, and the, the, the original sin of Adam and Eve, you recall that, and, and I'm not going to parse whose fault was whose. They, they, they both were culpable in the sin. But we have to decide and understand that God knows what's best for us when he said, and he said to these two, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't do it. And she did. And she gave it to her husband, and he did. God has a purpose and a plan for all of our lives. We have to wait and see what God has in store for us. Say, John, I'm an old man. I don't, he hadn't done anything yet. Well, maybe he's been needing you to put 60 plus years in your life to prepare you for his plan. Maybe you're not ready to handle the plan he has for your life. Maybe there's some more teaching that's got to go on. Maybe there's some stuff you need to start doing and some stuff you need to stop doing. Maybe it's just sitting and listening and waiting for God to talk to you. Because He'll reveal His plan. He will tell you exactly what He wants you to do. Uh, no, there's no, if you t come talk to me if you start hearing voices, okay? Because that's kind of hinky. But, but He will talk to you through influential people in your life. This is the killer Listen to your parents. They make sense. And sometimes, hopefully, God is speaking truth into their lives to speak truth into your lives. And when that happens, He can reveal His will. And they say, well, go and in, get into the Word. Think about reading this portion of Scripture. Think about applying this Scripture to your life. Watch what happens. And God shows up every single time. And he'll show you. He'll teach you. And there's no room in this for the yeah, buts. Yeah, but John, you don't, you don't understand my circumstances. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Circumstances don't... God's bigger than... If, if, if the song is God's bigger than the boogeyman, he's bigger than circumstances. He really... He is really bigger than, the, than any circumstance that you can raise. So if we refuse to accept God's plan and his good timing... It's going to cause us problems. So we need to accept God's purpose for us through Christ. The third thing, we have to affirm Christ's power if we want to keep him quiet. 
The disciples praised God for all the great things they had seen him do. And no doubt there were, uh, they had seen how he raised Lazarus from the dead. He multiplied the, the, the fishes and loaves from the little kid, little boy's lunch. He, he walked on water. He did. He healed the blind. He made the lame to walk. The deaf to hear. Tremendous miracles to affirm and attest his power. They found no difficulty in praising God for his power. But how often do we do that? For the great things that he's done in our life. We praise God a lot of times for the things that he's done for us. But how about praising him for the stuff that he has withheld? Even when you experienced hard times and difficult situations in your life, God was still there. When you couldn't pay your bills, God showed up. You needed money for for an emergency. God showed up. A sick child. Healed. God was there. God guided that, that surgeon's hand as he removed that cancer in your body. It was God. When you suffer that sickness, God healed you. When you were tempted on every side, God gave you strength. And when you had that marital problem, God straightened it out. If you listen. Everybody here, every single person in here can find something to praise God. Every one of you. John, I'm in deep, deep trials right now. It is, it is dark. It's never been this dark. You're telling me to praise him? Yes, I am. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this darkness. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I trust that you are going to get me out of this, set my feet on higher ground, and I can praise your holy name because you found me worthy to go through this trial. Put your trust in him and experience his power. I want these rocks to shut up. I don't want to listen to them. Appreciate the Prince of Peace. Christ is called the Prince of Peace. His his peace passes all understanding. Have you ever experienced the peace of God? When things are falling apart all around you, somehow you had the peace of God within you. Jesus Christ is still the Prince of Peace. He who spoke peace to the winds and waves and sea still still speaks truth and peace into our life. He speaks that peace through the, through the tough times that you're going through right now. He speaks that peace in that victor- victory that he's given you. How do you keep the rocks quiet? The last thing, practice the presence of Christ. Practice the presence of Christ. The disciples cried out, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus Christ is the one who comes to us. He has promised us never to leave us, never to forsake us. He dwells in our, in our lives today. He has come to make His home in our hearts. He, he, wants to crown him, he wants us to crown Him the King of our lives. He wants us to make a temple for Him to dwell in. Paul said the only hope we have is in Christ 
and in the hope of glory. What better thing could we do on this Palm Sunday but invite Christ into our lives? How do we keep the stones quiet? We acknowledge Jesus' authority. We understand why he had to die. We affirm his power. We appreciate the Prince of Peace and we practice the presence of Christ. And I don't know about you, but as far as I'm concerned, I want the rocks to shut up. I don't want to hear from any rocks. I want to hear from the people of God shouting the praises of, of, of Jesus Christ, shouting that loud Hosanna so we truly can understand who he is and what he's about. I thank God we don't have to let the rock speak for us as long as we acknowledge his position and his purpose and his power, his peace and his presence. We do those things, my friend. I guarantee you, the rocks will stay silent. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, what a day today is. What an awesome way to celebrate the Lord's day to remember your triumphal entry into Jerusalem and all that came with it. Lord, this portion of scripture is powerful. You've said some powerful things. You've said some amazing things. And I can't help but think, Lord, that in this crowd today, there's one or two that this message does not make any sense. It resonates with them. It strikes a chord. But it's like this big, red, bold, so what? My prayer here today is that the Holy Spirit would move among us, speak truth into the lives of the people that are here, especially to that one who has never placed their trust, their faith and trust in you as their Savior. My friend, if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life to save you, you're going to ask those rocks to speak for you. So it's my prayer that if you're here, the Holy Spirit would start nudging you to a place of saying, John, it, it, I, I don't understand it all, but I'm going to take a chance. Lord Jesus, I know that I've sinned horribly. And I ask you to come into my life and save me from my sin. I believe when you died on that cross, you died in my place that I could live with you forever in eternity. I give you my life, Lord. And I thank you for that in your son's precious name. Nobody looking around, keep your eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer, and understand, prayer, the prayer doesn't save you, but your heart condition does. Slip your hand up that I can pray for you. Anybody in the room at all? Anybody? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, I, I, uh, I praise you for your goodness. I praise you for your, the life that you give us. I praise you for your holy name. Lord, as we, as we leave this service and go to fellowship around the table, I pray that you would give us that, uh, that time of having uh, some sweet fellowship laughter, enjoying breaking bread, but Lord, that we would remember who you are and what you did. And I ask all this in your son's name. Amen.